All right, let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're continuing the series uh, in the Holy Spirit. We're actually continuing to look at what keeping in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit means. So we're going to start by reading portions of chapter 5 together. I want to begin in verse 1, then we're going to jump down to verse 13 and read through to the end of the chapter. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong in, to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its, with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We looked last week how the Galatians started out strong because they started out weak. They knew they had nothing to offer to God. They knew that they had no righteousness, they had no uh, traditions, they had no uh, special were called by God. They came with empty hands, so it was easy for them to put all their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ and to lean hard upon His righteousness, which means they came in weak in their flesh and and strong in faith and strong in dependence upon God. And God met that, poured out His Holy Spirit upon them, saved them gloriously, and all these good things started happening by faith. But then a group of people that are called the Judaizers, came into the midst of Galatia and they began to teach them that Jesus started the work of salvation, so they were absolutely right to believe in Him, but now they needed to finish that work with their own righteousness. They needed to keep the law. So the message of the Judaizers wasn't deny Jesus, it was, it was seductive to their souls because it was, it was simply this, help Jesus. Jesus started it, now you finish it, 
and the flesh. And so they were moving them away from trusting in God and His righteousness and the Spirit's work in them and moving towards what they started, what started in the Spirit, they're moving towards trying to finish it and perfect it in the flesh. Now, I just want to say this. This is legalism. And I just want to say really clearly, I think sometimes there can be a sense that legalism is another version of Christianity. It's just a, it's just a, a, a version of Christianity. But Paul makes it really clear Legalism is not a version of Christianity. It's a perversion of Christianity. It empties. When we, when we try to add our good works to Jesus Christ's finished work, we empty the cross of its power. When we try to nail one good work, I do this, Lord, I do this, Lord, we try to nail one good work to the cross, we actually empty the cross of its power. It cuts us off, Paul says. I mean, he's sp- talking hard to the Galatians. It cuts us off from Christ. And it unplugs us from the power of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us and actually do that change of of, uh, heart and all that work in us to change us from the works of the flesh to the works of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. So the Galatians are moving towards this legalism and they move from faith in God's Spirit to faith in their flesh. And one of the consequences of that is that the very fabric of the church began to tear apart. There became, uh, we see in verse 15, that there arose growing problems in the church with division, with gossip, with backbiting, with criticizing. Verse 15, Paul says this, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Paul is looking at them and the growing backbiting, the growing uh, gossip, the growing division amongst them, and he's, he's saying this is not going to end well. This is not going to end well for you, for any of you. Those that bite will be bitten. Those that devour will be consumed. I was uh, fascinated to read, uh, and maybe a little bit grossed out, to read that in Macedonia, scientists discovered a, a situation where a viper tried to eat a centipede. And in Macedonia, they grow centipedes large. So don't think the little thing that we see around here. So, and not only that, but centipedes in Macedonia are ferocious predators. So this viper decided he was going to take on this centipede and he started to eat them. But the centipede said, I'm not going down without a fight here. So the centipede while he's being eaten by the viper, you know what he starts to do? He starts to eat the insides of the viper. So the viper is eating the centipede. The centipede is eating the insides of the viper. This is not going to end well for either one of them, and it didn't. I don't know which I'd rather be eaten from the outside or eaten from the inside, but that's for a whole different message. Paul says, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. It's eating one another. That's what the flesh does. The flesh, and the flesh is talking about the sinful desires of our hearts. Instead of leaning on the Spirit, we're leaning on our flesh. The flesh eats away at relationships. The flesh is toxic to relationships. Paul lists 15 works of the flesh. By no means exhaustive list. But in that list, eight of the 15 things are 
directly eating away at relationships. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, all these things are eating and biting and devouring away at relationships. Now the motives for devouring others with our words, with our actions, even with our thoughts, will differ from person to person depending on what prominent work of flesh is going on in their lives. The person who is being eaten up by anger will naturally want to eat others up, devour them with anger in order to hurt them. Those who have hurt me, I want to hurt them back. The envious person feels this gnawing desire to have something someone else has and they don't have. And so that gnawing desire that's eating away at them desires them to try to get at least the pleasure of taking away some of that which that other person has. Maybe by chewing on their reputation. Maybe trying to bite them and criticize them or diminish them in some way. Uh, it talks about strife. When someone's soul is, is eaten up with strife and that's what they want, you know what? It, that's a person who loves strife. They never feel so alive as when there's strife, there's drama, there's problems, there's divisions. That's when they feel alive. Because that's when their flesh feels like, okay, food for my soul. And then there's the gossiper that feels like belittling someone else makes them feel bigger themselves. So the flesh does this in different ways. It devours in different ways. We all have, we all have some areas where we, our flesh bends in this direction. All of us do. It might look different in different people, but it always, the flesh eats away at relationships. We don't know, Paul didn't really tell us what particular issues were devouring and dividing the Galatian church. We don't have the specifics about what it was that was tearing away at the fabric of the Galatian church. But we know why it was the flesh. It was the flesh. As they moved away from trusting in the Spirit, faith in the Spirit to be working in them, to trusting in their flesh to be working on them, it began to eat away. And Paul doesn't take sides. He doesn't decide, you know, you're right, you're wrong in this. When the flesh is at work, it doesn't matter which side you take. It doesn't matter if you're the viper or you're the centipede. It doesn't matter which part of the eating you're on. It doesn't matter whether you're eating or being eaten. Eventually, you're going to be both. So the big picture of this is that when we find ourselves backbiting, gossiping, stirring up strife, self-righteously judging others, looking down on people, or any other form of biting at people, we are not walking in the Spirit in that moment. We are not walking or keeping in step with the Spirit. We are actually out of step with the Spirit. And uh, I think this is a timely message for believers today for us to keep in heart and in mind. I don't know if you've noticed it, but we live in a very polarizing time right now. 
We live in a very polarizing time. People are, are sliced and diced into every possible category. And there are divisions and tribes and, 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 and walls that are coming up that are, that are dividing and, 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 not, and, and bringing division over so many things. Everything from politics to your religious beliefs, from, your, from race to medical convictions. I mean, and it is normal to have different opinions. It is normal and human to have different perspectives, viewpoints, convictions. Differences aren't what bring all these divisions and feeding frenzies. It's the flesh that turns differences into feeding frenzies. And social media has not helped that because it's removed us where we can, we can speak out without actually facing someone head on or in the same room. So as we trust in Christ, we want to keep watch over our souls. As we're seeking to keep in step with the Spirit, we want to make sure that we're watching over our own souls because the flesh is tricky. The flesh is tricky, and the very thing we are eating can, at the same time, be eating away at us. Uh, somebody told me about, and I've been listening to recently, a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And uh, if you're not familiar with it, it, it basically catalogs the meteoric rise and the just as sudden fall of Mars Hill Church, a church in Seattle, Washington, that grew to over 15,000 people, larger than that with all the campuses that began to, in just a short time, it grew to one of the fastest, biggest, most influential churches uh, in America, if not in the world, and led by a very charismatic pastor named Mark Driscoll, uh, who was quite a controversial figure to say the least. So I've been listening to this podcast because as quickly as that church exploded in growth, it literally fell apart overnight. I mean, almost literally. I'm not talking about over years. I'm talking almost literally overnight. And this podcast is very well done, and I find very insightful. And from the story of Mars Hill, we can learn some important things. We can learn to identify and avoid spiritual abuse in leadership. We can learn to avoid toxic environments in the church or otherwise. Uh, it can help us see the danger of, of marketing Christianity in the name of gospel advancement. And we can learn to not confuse growth with fruit and church size with church health. And these are good things. It is important that we, we learn from what has gone on before us. And, um, and it's important that we have a context to critique. Because one of the things that is unhealthy in any environment, and certainly in a church environment, is the inability to critique, the inability to express concern or to share concerns about that. That stifles and that becomes an unhealthy environment. So these are good things that we can learn, and I personally have been uh, finding helpful and learning. But I want to give a caution. This is just an example. This can happen in so many other ways. But I want to give a caution 
to my own soul and to yours in this day when these kinds of things are so, we're so able to touch uh, and hear and dissect so many things, is that while listening to this, something like this, while listening to even legitimate concerns or criticisms, we have to watch our own soul. Because the flesh is tricky. The flesh is tricky. We can enjoy things that have nothing to do with wanting to learn sober-minded lessons. We can enjoy the sensationalism and, and, the, and the, the drama of hearing about a church collapsing so quickly. We can listen to the lives of people whose lives were destroyed, and we can actually find like rubbernecking joy in listening to other people's demise. It's a weird thing. There's a reason why gossip tastes good going down. If we don't learn to not like it, we can enjoy, oh, you know, boy, I hope that story is going to be a horrible story because that's far more entertaining than a not horrible story. We can take pleasure in the destruction of a church and a pastor and say, they had it coming. And we can be waiting eagerly for the new podcast to come out. But we've got to watch our souls that we're not enjoying watching the crashing and burning of real people. Learn the lessons. Amen. I am one for like, learn the lessons. I am not one for, you know, don't say anything and don't criticize and don't. No, listen, you know what? When something goes off the rails, we need to understand why. Can I get an amen on that? We need to understand why when something goes off the rails. Otherwise, we're not learning any lessons. The Holy Spirit brings light. He doesn't, he doesn't cover up, but we have to be very careful. That's all my word is. Careful that we don't start enjoying it on a level that the flesh is enjoying it. Learn. Pray for those who have been hurt. Feel for those who have been damaged. Be sad for all the problems that are happening, but don't learn. But let's be careful that we're not eating this stuff up. Because if we're eating it up, it just might be eating us up too at the same time. <clears throat> it could be eating away at our love and our humility and our genuine concern for others. I like what the narrator in this, the narrator in this particular uh, podcast says in the opening each week. He says this, that with all, all these terrible things, all these these things going on that were so harmful and so difficult that we're looking at. He says, it's also the story of God working in broken places. And I appreciate that. Because you know what? All of our stories, to some degree, are broken stories. Amen. And all of our churches, to some degree, are broken stories. And God working in broken stories, and broken places. So Paul moves us beyond feasting on other people's brokenness to helping them find Christ in that brokenness. Keeping in step with the Spirit never makes the goal of pointing out what is wrong with others. It always makes the goal of pointing people to Christ. And so Paul diagnoses the Galatians' problem and he writes them a script. In verse 16 he says, But I say, but I say, walk by the Spirit, 
and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Keeping in step with the Spirit leads us down the path of love. Keeping in step with the Spirit leads us into war with the flesh. The flesh wants to destroy relationships and devour other people. The Spirit leads us to love other people and want to build them up. Jesus sets us free, but not free to do whatever we want to do or whatever we desire to say. He sets us free to love one another. Look with me again at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh to devour people, but through love use your freedom to serve one another. That's what our freedom in Christ is for. Jesus loved people. We know that, amen? Jesus loved people. I mean, he loved the poor. He loved the shame, the ashamed. He loved the unlovely. He loved the sick. He loved the spiritually dull like many of the disciples were often. He loved the scandalized and the scandalous. He loved the outcast. The Gospel of Luke is really about how Jesus sought the outcast of society. But I want to caution us, because Jesus also loved the rich. He loved the powerful. He loved the wealthy. Remember when the rich young ruler comes to him and says, what do I need to do to get eternal life? It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus didn't look at him and say, you're rich. Get out of here. He loved him. He wanted the best for this young man's life. He loved the religiously stilted. You know, we talk on the, the Pharisees and we knock them a lot, but Jesus loved them. He loved them. Many of them did not come to faith in Christ, but Jesus loved them as much as He loved the outcasts and the downtrodden. The Gospel isn't about Jesus and about God loving some people. It's about Jesus and God loving all people. And so the Holy Spirit wants to bear the fruit of love in our hearts so we love people the way that God loves them. And that doesn't mean we always agree it doesn't mean we always like what people are doing. It doesn't mean we, we are uh, always uh, uh, in agreement with them, but we see them as people who are precious to God and we love them. I want you to think with me for a moment about the dynamics of the early church when this book was being written. When God made it clear to the Jewish Christians that God wanted to bring in Gentile Christians Oh, the walls that shattered. Oh, the categories that blew apart. And the differences and the divisions that suddenly became a part of the life of the church because the Jews had all their customs. They, they had their ceremonies. They had their traditions that they'd had for centuries and centuries. 
They had this rich biblical knowledge. They had history with God. They knew what food they could eat. They knew what foods they couldn't eat. The men were all, all, all circumcised, all of them. It was a, super important to them as a symbol of the covenant they had with God. And that God accepted them. All of that was still in the Christian. When they became believers in Jesus, they didn't get rid of all that. That was still a part of their life. They went to synagogue. They circumcised their baby boys. They did all these things. They were careful to eat this, careful not to eat that. All of these things were still a part of their lives. Then all of a sudden, you've got Gentile Christians in the church, and bam, everything changes. All of a sudden, you've got a church potluck, and there's ham and Swiss cheese being served for lunch. The men's breakfast, there's bacon frying along with the bagels. And this would be so offensive to the Jewish people. This would bother them so much. The Gentiles talk different. They didn't know anything about the Bible. They didn't have all this history that they could share and lean upon. They would say crazy things. Have you ever been around a young Christian who says crazy things? That was happening constantly as Gentiles were just learning the first steps of what the Bible says. They didn't observe any of the customs, any of the feasts, any of the traditions. They didn't observe them. None of the men were circumcised. This was blowing the first church, the believers who were Jewish. And so they had to wrestle with this. They had to wrestle with what do we say To Gentile Christians, what would God have us say? What's really important here? And they didn't come up with a list of 25 things. They came up with just a few, few things to keep the Gentile Christians from inadvertently stepping out of line or messing up. Short list, abstain from food given to idols. That's more about their conscience than anything else. We're not going to get into that, but Paul makes it clear. Abstain from sexual immorality. All right, that's never good. Keep away from strangled or near raw meat. Again, that's just kind of a, a, a little bit of a guardrail for them. But the, the, the apostles' heart was to serve the Gentile church, not conform them into the image of the Jewish believers. There are differences within the church. There are differences between believers. We want to learn. We want to be after loving, dialoguing, talking. But we want to be careful not to be dividing. I love, this by the way is not saying we shouldn't talk about differences. I love dialoguing about differences. I even love debating differences in the right context with the right people. But I think, and folks, I'm I'm looking at you guys. You guys are the victims this morning, kind of. This is not to you, like, but I think we live in a society that really is moving towards slicing and chopping and dividing and tribalizing and all these things So on so many issues that I think we have to say, what does the Lord want for us here? And we can discuss and we can debate, we can talk about in healthy ways, in respectful ways, 
but we've got to watch the flesh wants to get in there and say, oh man, this is a great, I'm, I'm ready to eat. I don't want to debate, I want to eat. I want to eat their soul. I want to eat their opinion. I want to put them down. I want to divide. I want to destroy this friendship. I want to... So listen, as I, as I bring this up to a close, I want to just say this. This doesn't mean that truth is unimportant in the church or that anything goes, that any teaching goes. Not at all. Uh, I believe truth is essential. Sound doctrine essential to the health of the church. In fact, the letter of Galatians was written specifically to confront the Galatian church with truth and to warn them about not leaving the gospel. In the opening verses of chapter 1, Paul says, if anyone, if we or anyone or even an angel from heaven comes and proclaims a different gospel than what we have proclaimed, let them be accursed. Let them be accursed. That's, that's strong words. That is a bit divisive, isn't it? Let them be cursed by God if they proclaim a different gospel. So Paul is not trying to say, it doesn't matter what we believe. That's not what Paul's saying here. He even goes on to say in chapter 5, if we had read it, he talks about the Judaizers who are trying to get the Galatian Gentiles to be circumcised. He even says, I wish those guys would go all the way and emasculate themselves. I'm not going to go into detail what that means, but it's basically saying, I wish the knife would slip. So Paul is using some strong language here and strong words, but I want to point something out. This is so important, and I think this gets to the heart of where we draw these lines and how strongly we draw them. Paul does not say in chapter 1, if anyone believes a different gospel than the gospel I preach, let them be accursed. Believing a different gospel would describe most of the world he lived in and most of the world we live in today. Our attitude is not be, if someone believes a different gospel, let them be accursed. Our, our, our attitude is be, if someone believes a different gospel, let's go after them. Let's share the love of Christ with them. Let's try to win them to the Savior. That's our attitude. Paul's condemnation isn't that someone believes a different gospel. His condemnation is specifically for those who are after trying to destroy the gospel. They are proclaiming a different gospel. They are coming into churches and trying to lead people away from the safety of Christ into the damnation of legalism. They are leaders trying to take as many people with them into error and deception as possible. Those are the people that Paul says, let them be accursed. I don't care if it's an angel that looks like he's from heaven. If he's preaching a different gospel than Jesus, let him be accursed. That helps us to know the line. Someone d differs with us? Okay. All right. Even if they differ in a big way, we can come at it with love, with gentleness, with appeal, with humility, with respect. But when someone's trying to destroy, agitate, lead people down the wrong roads, that's when Paul reserves his strong words. They're not just deceived, they are destroyers. And we do have to protect our souls and other souls from such people, and they do exist. Paul calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. So church, we need to hold on to truth, or the church will become contaminated by error, and that will destroy everyone. 
But we need to promote the truth by the power of the Spirit, not by the power of the flesh. The flesh can say truth too. The flesh can promote truth as well. And in that moment, the truth becomes a devourer of people, not a builder up of people. The Bible even tells us Satan spoke the truth and he even quoted the Bible. But not in the Spirit. And not by the power of the Spirit. So we're going to spend more time on the fruit of the Spirit in another message. Let's close by reminding ourselves the primary fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. And let's ask the Lord to help us to use every opportunity to serve people with love. To serve them with love. To use our words to build up and to impart grace rather than tear down and backbite. God, by His Holy Spirit, is working in broken places. Let's seek to keep up with Him and join Him in that good work. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we we look at this particular aspect of keeping in step with the Spirit, it brings our tongues before You. Our words. Lord, help us fill us with your Holy Spirit. Because this isn't a tongue problem, it's a heart issue. Our flesh, our flesh does want to tear apart. It wants to devour. It just does. But your spirit within us wants to love on people and build them up, pointing them to Christ. So, Lord, I pray you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts with the love of Christ and then help us to use our freedom in Christ as an opportunity to serve other people in love. Lord, help that to be not only our prayer individually, but our prayer as a local church as well. And we ask you, Lord, let that be what happens in our homes, with our spouses, with our children, with our families. Lord, with our coworkers, with that person that maybe we have some serious differences with. We don't have to deny the differences, but help us to walk in love. And help us to keep in step with the Spirit who is always working in broken places. That's all we've got on this earth. Broken places and broken people. Help us to be a part of that good work, we pray. Fill us with your Spirit so we might be a part of that good work. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Enjoy Columbus Day tomorrow. Have a great holiday. And we'll see you next Sunday.